Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to the Sermon Podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. Sometimes when we go through life, it feels like we're stumbling instead of running. How do we find our way as we navigate this maze of life? Here's First Pres Associate Pastor Steve Page. If, uh, again, if you missed it at the beginning, my name is Steve Page. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and it's my honor to to uh, speak from the Word of God this morning. If you're able, please stand with me as I read uh, the Word of God today out of John 1 and also out of John 8. And it goes like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and without Him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So we're speaking of light, but I want to ask this question as we start off. Have you ever been in absolute and complete darkness? Back in the 1980s, while I spent some time in Nepal, um, I was in a small village and I befriended this Nepali man. And this village was like halfway between Kathmandu and Mount Everest. I don't know if any of you have ever been there. Um, but one day he said, hey, I want to go visit. Why don't you come with me and visit my friend and, uh, down the mountain and we'll ha- hang out. And, and so that's what we did. We went down uh, quite a walk down the mountain, had dinner together. But by the time we said goodbye to each other, it was nighttime. Now, in those days, I don't know about now, but in those days, there was very electricity in the entire country, much less in a far-off village in the Himalayas. Thus, there was no kind of light pollution even to go by like we see here in America. So when you walk through a very, very thick forest, maybe on a cloudy evening, everything is absolutely pitch black. Okay, now this is not an exaggeration because I actually did this. I literally could not see my hand when I stuck it in front of my face. And I'm about to walk through a jungle. Wonderful. But fortunately, my Nepali friend had a flashlight, he told me. I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. So he pulls out this flashlight. And to my great disappointment, it had maybe the brightness of a candle. Or maybe like, you know, your cell phone when you just turn it on. Not when you put the flashlight mode on, just when you press the button. Just that. That's about how bright it all was. Nonetheless, nonetheless, it was enough for him to see one or two steps in front of him. So I just, I just grabbed him by the shirt in the back. It's a very narrow path. So I just grabbed his shirt as he led the way, and I had to trust that he could see the narrow trail as I walked in utter darkness behind him. Now, I have to admit, it was a bit nerve-wracking for reasons like this. You know, as we're walking along, I, I looked through the trees, and, and I could just see like a clearing. And I said to him, why don't we walk over there? He says, well, that's because where the bears are. (laughs) I said, bears? He says, yeah, bears. I said, yeah, good call. Let's stay in the dark. No problem. The the, the point I want to make here, as long as there was some light, there was hope. Hope that we will get to where we needed to be and eventually that our situation will get better. 
Moreover, it requires just a small, somewhat dim light to take fear and confusion out of that long, dark walk to safety. Now, for me, this experience highlights the two huge spiritual metaphors we see in our scriptures today in this third week of Advent, darkness and light. Now, we saw in the Gospel of John, it refers to Jesus as the light of life. It said, when, uh, what has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. And the, and the great thing about this, as it said in, back there in verse 5, is that this light was more powerful than the darkness. The darkness could not overcome it. And I think John is not only saying darkness cannot overcome Jesus, but it cannot overcome all that Jesus inaugurated. In other words, it cannot overcome the purposes and power and values and character of his kingdom. Amen? Bottom line, what Jesus brought and accomplished through his life, through his death, through his resurrection, radically changed the trajectory of the power of darkness in the human experience, and it changed it for all eternity. Now, you would think, with such a fantastic proclamation, we Christians would be the people in this whole world so filled with optimism and hope as we live in a not-so-bright world. But if we are like a, a typical American, that's not likely what we're feeling. According to a Harvard study that was done in June of 2022, only 24% of Americans thought we as a nation are headed in the right direction. Now, that may sound bleak, but this has long been the, the, uh, uh, the perception of Americans. In fact, according to Gallup, since 1979, on average, only a third of Americans ever have, have ever seen us going in a good direction. Uh, now, it's, it, it, listen, I mean, let, let's be honest. You know, it's not, it, it, there's, there's a lot of reasons why we can have this kind of uh, darkened outlook. After all, there are mass shootings, there's inflation, there's divisive politics, sex scandals in the church, a surge in crime, et cetera, et cetera, ad nauseum. In fact, in fact, it feels so bad that one in four Americans said this, nothing makes them hopeful. And as bad as we think this all is today, it is still way better than what life was back in Palestine in the first century when Jesus walked this world. Back then, there was a whole lot more of oppression and poverty, slavery, violence, corruption, you name it. Yet, yet, and I think this is part of what Jesus demonstrates in the gospel, as bad as that world was, as bad as this world was, not even our holy God wanted to curse it and destroy it. In fact, he wanted to come and light it up by sending Jesus. So contrary to the headlines and Twitter and cable news, etc., uh, contrary to what they say, we need to listen to these words of a young preacher that I heard while I was on sabbatical just a few weeks ago. He said this, I know we all like to say the world is going to hell, but if you read the New Testament, you will see the world is going to hope. He emphasized that God is at work even in this moment, making all things new. In other words, Jesus didn't just do it in the first century, light up the darkness. He continues to light up the darkness even in this very day, and that should always give hope. Hope. Amen? Now, even the writer of 1 John said this way back when. In John, uh, 1 John 2.8, he says, check this out, check this out. 
For the darkness is disappearing and the true light is already shining. Please take that little statement in. That is not simply pious poetry. But my question is before you today is, do you believe it? Do you draw hope from it? And will you live by it? Do your conversations, emails, and tweets reveal that you believe this reality as you talk about the states of things in our world and in our culture and for our future? Yeah, look. You know, there are bad things out there, and a lot of those bad things are going to get worse over time. And God's judgment is coming, and it will be terrible. But beyond the judgment, beyond the bad things, beyond the sin, can you see? Can you see all the things that will be made new through Jesus Christ? And it won't be made new only when God comes and blows up everything in some kind of Armageddon annihilation. As I said a moment ago, he is at this very moment bringing more of his kingdom into our world. In other words, the divine project of making all things new has already begun, and it started with this small child lying at a feeding trough for farm animals in the most, one of the most mundane and ordinary and lowly of places. And that project continues to move forward in our present day. I am emphasizing this issue of God's inbreaking kingdom for a very important reason. Because such knowledge and belief in that reality helps us see what I call the more. Remember my story of walking in the dark with that one little light in Nepal? Well, one of the things that, that, that it did was to reveal to me that there is more in front of me than simply darkness and danger. That's what light does. It helps us always to see the more to things than what we're actually looking at. The fact of God's light, the, light, the fact of God's word helps me see confidently that the world is not simply going to hell, it is going to hope. And that the life and death and resurrection of Jesus is an absolute proof of that reality. Listen to Carmen Joy Imes. She's a seminary professor at Talbot Theological Seminary as she defines hope, particularly in light of our current situation. She says this, great quote, hope is the confident conviction that this is not how it will always be, that this is not all there is. It's saying there's more than today, there's tomorrow and the next day, and I trust God that things will not always be this bad. Real hope allows us to be honest about the struggle, but in that honesty, to recognize it's not the last word. And she goes on to say that hope is not merely putting a positive spin on things. Hope looks directly at the mess of things, but knows that that mess is not the last word. To be clear, the hope I speak of is not some sort of cheery, saccharine optimism. Christian writer Henry Nouwen put it well when he said this, people who have come to know the joy of God do not deny the darkness, but they choose not to live in it. They claim that the light that shines in the darkness can be trusted more than the darkness itself. And that little bit of light can dispel a lot of darkness. 
They, meaning the people who come to know the joy of God, they point each, uh, point each other to the flashes of light here and there to remind each other that they reveal the hidden, the hidden but real presence of God. Do you get what he's saying? And part he's making the point that, that walking with this fact-based faith that light is shining in the darkness can be trusted more than the darkness itself. This is not an exercise in denial. It is an exercise into living into the deepest and truest reality of the universe. The deepest and true reality that the presence, there is a presence of God in the darkness. And the darkness will not overcome it. Now, up until now, I'm talking about darkness kind of on a larger worldwide, cultural, whatever scale. But does anyone know the kind of personal darkness that also happens? Have you ever walked through those dark seasons of dread and anxiety and depression? Or the darkness that, that comes out of just feeling hurt and so alone in this world? Or from a marriage that seems to be crumbling, a child that's gone wildly astray, a job that's crushing your soul, or the sudden news of an illness you didn't see coming. Does anyone know that kind of darkness? If so, I'm here to tell you that Christmas has brought forth a way forward for your journey in these tough spots. A hopeful way forward through the depression, through the divorce, through the addictions, through the suicidal ideations, through the fear of death itself. And that way was not just an idea, it was a person, the person Jesus Christ. Now, I know many of you have heard over the years uh, my journey to Jesus. And please forgive me, but I think some of it right, me right now bears repeating. From about this age 10, I got into pretty delinquent activities. I first started stealing toys from the toy store, and then I started stealing money because that was even better. I can go buy toys in a toy store. And then, and then eventually, as I got older, I started to steal more expensive stuff. I stole car stereos. I stole cars. I started drinking at 13 years old and got suspended from school in junior high school for being drunk. And I was failing. I don't know how many courses. And by the time I was 18 and graduated from high school. I smoked more weed that it would make Willie Nelson look like a lightweight. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the thing I want you to know is this. These things didn't lead me into darkness. I did them to numb the darkness. That darkness within. And I remember at 18 years of age, I was so depressed. I literally could not sleep for two straight days. I remember staring at my TV from the time when, you know, the broadcast, remember broadcasts were on 24 hours a day. They used to go off at like one or two o'clock in the morning, right? And then they had that TV symbol on that would hiss or they had that high squeal thing. Remember that thing that would just make you nuts, right? But I was so depressed. I just stared at that throughout the entire day, twice, 48 hours. Watched it till new programs came on, just laid there in misery, two o'clock in the morning, that thing came on again and I just stared at it again. I was so lost in my depressive hole that, that I just looked at it all night. And then finally, finally, praise God, at the age of 21, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And I finally admitted that I could not light my own darkness. I needed him. I needed the light of life to give me new life. And when I did that, my brother, it was literally like a thousand pounds I mean, I bawled like a baby. I, 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 a thousand pounds came off my shoulder. In fact, it was 41 years ago last week that I did that. December 3rd, 1981. <laughs> Praise God. 
And I promise you, the joy that filled my... I still don't know how to describe the joy that filled my soul that evening. What, now, now, once Christ was in my life, he didn't just light up my life, but he became the light by which I saw all of life. Christian writer C.S. Lewis put it this way. He said this, I believe in Christianity as I believe in that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. And, and when I started to see everything else by his purposes and values and character, and I became filled with the Holy Spirit, changing that horrible, immoral behavior was not laborious, to be quite honest with you, because now I could clearly see the sin in my life for what it was. Now, as much as many of those simple things, you know, I stopped stealing, I stopped smoking weed, I stopped being promiscuous, all kinds of things just stopped. But I still had to work through some emotional brokenness and pain of my past. After all, when Christ comes into our life, he does indeed cleanse us from the guilt and condemnation of sin, and he gives us power over sin. But you know what Jesus never does? He never gives us amnesia. The thoughts and memories are still there, aren't they? Sometimes the work of healing from painful experiences and memories of the past are part of a much longer journey with him. And to be honest, for me, it has taken years. But here's the deal. I did not move forward into more light and healing all by myself. I found light. I found more light by being discipled. I found my, more light by being guided by people of light. I found more light by being in small groups of light. Do you know what I mean? I know you guys are in some of those groups right now. And I'm saying all this because this is so crucial to the process of internalizing fully the, the, the light that gives life to all people. I needed God and I needed God's community. I needed discipleship. I needed spiritual mentors. I needed Christian therapists to be God's instruments of continued light coming into my soul and changing it. Folks, it's so important for us to be dead honest about the darkness of our own soul. There was one theologian who said, there's a lot of darkness in the redeemed. And he's right. So we need to be dead honest. And then we need to pursue all means possible to allow God to bring his light into that darkness. How many of us carry around secretly for decades, decades, stories and memories of shame and guilt and pain? How many of us walk for decades with bitterness or unforgiveness? How many of us walk year after year in a damaged relationship with our parents or with our siblings or with our kids, our friends, our spouses, etc.? And we never take the time to go and see a pastor, to go and see a therapist, to be discipled, to join a small group in order to contend with the darkness within. In summary, Jesus is the light of life. And he desires nothing more than to light up your darkness. And he will do that both directly through his divine power and through his people. Now, going back to my story of walking through the dark forest in Nepal. Look, you know, like I said, I, I literally just had a grab on that brother. I just hit the back of his shirt, okay? And, and just, just stood behind him like this. And, and we literally, we just did this. Because that's as far as we could, fast as you can move, where you can only see one foot in front of you, right? You know? So I grabbed onto his shirt on that very, very narrow path. And because I was behind him and the light was so dim, I could not see what he could see. 
I needed to totally rely on him to use his light and his sight to move us out of the darkness. And here's the point. Sometimes we need to rely on the light of others to guide us home, to guide us to that God-centered place where peace exists, where wholeness can be experienced, where grace and mercy can be internalized into our lives. Bottom line, sometimes we cannot simply light up our own paths. Again, as Professor Carmen Imes put it uh, so well, she said, cultivating a community where we can be real with other people is so essential because on my darkest day, I might need somebody else to carry the light for me. We usually are not all in the same dark places at the same time, the same sense of hopelessness. I guess our hope ebbs and flows. So when we're together, we can borrow hope from other people. They might be able to cling to the truth that God is making all things new, even when we have forgotten that temporarily. I love that line. We can borrow hope from other people. You see, folks, we need to be around other folks and listen to folks and feel things from folks and be embraced by folks who can have hope for us, who can see light that we cannot see, who can see in us things we cannot see in ourselves. Do you have such people? Do you have such people? And can you be that person who can carry the light for another? Can you use your very small light in a very dark place to lead others to God's best. In fact, as the scriptures point out, we're not just to be light for one or two friends, but for a whole lot more. Remember what Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. It said, you are the light of the world. The you there is plural. So in the New Jersey translation, it says, you guys are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket. But on a lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let you guys' light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Yeah, amen. See, Scripture makes it clear that we are all, we are all, everybody sitting in this room and watching online, we are all called to be instruments of his continued efforts to light up this world world. The ministry of God's light did not end with the resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. It was just passed on to his people. Because we are to be lights, or the, or the light of Christ's mission in the darkness, it means, it means we're always going to be a part of something greater than ourselves. Younger, old, single, married, professor, tradesman, CEO, stay-at-home mom, I don't care where you're at. We, every one of us, are always a part of something transcendent, something greater than ourselves, because we are all a part of bringing light into this entire world of darkness. With Matthew 5, I'm reminded of the words of Mark Twain when he wrote this. I love this. Let us so live that when we come to die, even the undertaker's going to be sorry. <laughs> the Apostle Paul understood Jesus' bold statement from Matthew 5. He wrote this to the church of Philippi decades later. Philippians 2, it says this. Do all things without murmuring and arguing, so that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish. Now check this out. In the midst of crooked and perverse generation in which you complain about the generation. Oh, it doesn't say that, does it? In which you send out really mean tweets 
about this crooked and perverse generation. What are you going to do in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation? You shine like stars. Amen? Sorry, was that okay on this thing? No. I wasn't in my notes. I don't know where that came from. All right. Now, the Word of God is exciting. Now, this location in which we shine like stars is not to be, again, done in Christian fellowship, but in the very midst of crooked and depraved generation, which leads me to the very last part of this message. In such a location, we're going to need a whole set of things in order to be able to shine like stars in that kind of generation so that, so that dark stuff doesn't swallow us up. Now, I don't have time for the whole list. I'm just going to give you very quick a few, three crucial things. Okay, you ready? All right, what do we need? Well, first of all, get into the Word of God and know the truth of Christ. Psalm 119 says, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light a light to my path. Sounds like what I did in Nepal. A light to my path. So, okay, so now listen. I know you've read that since Sunday school as a little kid, but please don't hear this as yet another time the pastor gets up here, wags his finger, and said, you should be reading your Bible every morning. Okay, it's not what this is. I bring this up because of the reality of our modern world. Simply put, when his word is not thoroughly permeating our souls, then our perspectives of that world will be darkened. They will be hardened. They will be jaded. And I say that simply because of how we are. I say these things because if we don't know the word, we're so inundated with what I call dark words. Like those that get regularly blasted on Twitter or cable news or by those snarky videos and emails that we pass on to each other or through other platforms that are filled with contempt or one-sided ideologies. Trying to have God's word light our darkness while at the same time stuffing our hearts and mind with darkness-filled words is an absolute losing proposition. Such things will not help us see the more that I spoke of before, to see more hope in the face of hopelessness. But we will be able to see hope if we know and we see God's narrative of the world in the world and we see what he's doing in it. Now, please don't get me wrong. We need to be knowledgeable what's going on in the world. It will help us pray better. It will help us give better. It will inspire us to speak up and do justice and all that kind of stuff. So it's really good that we're aware of what's happening in the world via the news. However, we must never fail to remember that a lot of things that get expressed in the news or online are expressed in order to create more sales. And that's why we see sensational things. We see very upsetting things. We see chaotic things and violent things because that stuff sells. The thing is, though, if you keep on stuffing your heart and soul with it, after a while, you come to think that what you see in the news is all there is to this world. And that, my friends, is a lie. It's a lie. So get into God's truth and God's word. Second. Be around light givers. That is, people who can see the deeper truths of you, of God, the culture, and the future. Meet with soul friends. Join a small group. Get pastoral counseling. Get therapy. Look, by the way, in January, we're going to start up a bunch of new small groups. They're going to be groups of light. Join one if you're not in one. Third, use whatever small light you got. In other words, seek to utilize whatever gifts, experiences, knowledge, and skills you have to light up the darkness, even if that skill isn't all that great. Let me ask you, how many of you sort of speak uh, another language? You sort of speak it. You don't speak it well. How many sort of speak? 
Okay? A lot of people sort of speak another language. That's great. Well, 13 years after leaving Thailand as a missionary, that was my level of speaking Thai. I sort of spoke Thai. If I invited a Thai person during that time over for dinner in those days, I sounded like this. You go, me house, eat big meal. <laughs> now, I sounded like I was a Neanderthal or the cookie monster or something like that. You know what I mean? But that's what my Thai was, okay? Uh, yet, years ago, because I could speak even just broken Thai, I got involved in helping people out of one of the darkest issues of our world today, human trafficking. The police and the FBI would call me to help lead Thai women who did not speak much English out of the brothels in Honolulu and get them into safe houses. And they would also call me to provide food and clothes to Thai men who the, whom the FBI were rescuing from one of the biggest human trafficking cases in American history. Now to be clear, neither I nor my church ended human trafficking in total in Hawaii. But, 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 through my broken tie, we at least ended it for those dozen or so women and men that we helped. And in the end, this dark, crazy world got a little brighter. Amen? So, so take even a little thing that you can do and watch how God will use it, just like that dim little light helped me on that dark, dark path in Nepal. So what's God saying to you? Is there something he wants you to say? Is there something he wants you to do? Is there something he wants you to change? Do you personally need Jesus to penetrate your darkness this morning? Are you like I was on that Nepali trail and, and, and you're in some spiritual, emotional, dark space and you feel so scared and you're not sure you're going to make, make your way out of it? Or maybe you're here, you've been looking for a community of light givers and you're looking how you can be uh, a brighter light in your relationships or in the places where you live, work, and play. I want to pray for all that right now as the worship team gets ready to come up and lead us in one more song. So please bow your head with me and let's pray for a second. Father God, we thank you for your word that speaks so much hope in the face of screaming headlines that show so much hopelessness. So I pray that this community would be filled with your light, with your narrative, with your hope as we look out into the world, Lord. Infuse us and inspire us with your power and your imagination to be light in the darkness where we live, work, and play and study, Lord. Empower us to do so. For those of us, Lord, who feel like we're sitting in darkness emotionally, relationally, spiritually, spiritually, I pray now in the name of Jesus, your spirit would come and light up their soul. And finally, if you are here and you've never really allowed God, that Jesus Christ, to come into your life fully, just pray this simple prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I need you. I thank you for living and dying for me. Come and be the light of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And as best as I know how, I give my life to you. In Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. Well, before Pastor Dan come up, comes up here and gives the blessing, I have an announcement that I need to make. After much prayer reflection and some guidance from some trusted friends, 
I'll be stepping down from first press. As of the 31st of this month. I want you to know it has been an absolute honor to have served with you these past seven and a half years. So many of you have been so encouraging to me and have stretched my soul to greater things. I hope in some small way I've been able to return the favor. I want you to know my life has really changed being among you. When I initially first came to First Pres, I, I started to attend this men's group. And one of the, I was sitting there, and one of the great questions one guy asked, he said, when you die, who's going to be the six guys carrying your coffin? Now, you might find that odd, but he was getting at something that really characterizes a lot of older men. As the years go by, we lack close and deep soul friendships with each other. So he said, who's, who's going to six guys going to carry a coffin? And I thought to myself, well, I know six guys back in Jersey like to put me in one. <laughs> but I really got thinking, and you know what? It stumped me. I thought, maybe two, one here, one back on the mainland. You see, though I've known a million people over these last 38 years of ministry, I, I didn't necessarily develop too many close friendships. However, now after my tenure here, I can tell you that I have a dozen or more men that I can count on to be there for me and carry my coffin. And trust me, for a guy like me, that's no small thing. And I've also made some deep soul friendships along the way through the various leadership teams with whom I served with. Um, and small groups of which I have been a part. So I want you all to know that I leave here a very, very blessed man. You should also know that this church is blessed with amazing leaders, of which I have been absolutely honored to serve with men and women. These folks really, really work hard on your behalf. Most of them, you'll never see what they do or how they do it, but they work hard. And so I leave these ministries in very capable and godly hands. So thanks to all of you for giving me the honor to journey with you for a few years. And thanks for putting up with my loud voice, <laughs> my Jersey accent, and a hundred other idiosyncrasies that would drive most people crazy. May God richly bless all of you as you continue to manifest God's kingdom and light through this community. Pastor Dan, thank you. Steve's making his way to the front door so he can shake hands with you there or later in the coffee bar. Please be seated. Um, I was trying to come up there to give him uh, the Kleenex for him, but uh, maybe it's for me and for all of you. So, um, you know, clearly uh, Steve being with us for seven plus years, uh, it's going to be a big loss um, not having Steve around. He has clearly uh, been a gift of discipleship, has... Um, shown incredible passion. He has uh, discipled us well and being a, a former counselor um, that he has uh, therapeutically explained how the gospel can minister to our souls and 
in a variety uh, of ways. So uh, we will miss him and, and dine and um, um, Godspeed. And he can tell you what his next ideas of uh, professional ideas and everything. And, and uh, we're glad he's a grandfather now and he'll get to see his children more, his grandchildren and children more. Um, so anyway, I'm glad you have a chance to say hello to him um, between the services. Um, it's hard to uh, follow that with a, just a few items to, uh, for the newcomers just to know that we have a coffee bar and it's in the other wing. Please drop by there. It's free coffee, espresso for you. And Steve will be there at some point. Um, for all of you, uh, head on down to the First Press Kitchen for Manapua and hang out time with others. And there's a sermon discussion group in Fellowship Hall that's open to everybody. There are round tables and people there will lead it. Well, this is uh, uh, a sad time, but it's a time of, as we have sung and heard him preach, it's also always a time of hope. And uh, so please stand as I give the fi final blessing. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May his countenance be upon you. And may you know deep in your heart the wonderful grace and love of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, amen. So God bless you all. Those of you online, ahui ho. We'll see you uh, next week. And for the rest of you, uh, I'll see you also next week or later today. So God bless. Jesus is the light of the world. And like the song says, let your light shine. So it's a sad day at First Pres with Pastor Steve's announcement. He's been an awesome preacher, pastor, and friend to so many in our church family. We wish him well as he continues to shine his own light toward the future. If you want to catch up on or listen again to previous services, please visit our websites, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. You can also find First Pres sermons on most major podcast services and on YouTube. Please join First Pres at church. We meet in person and online. Services are Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. at the Ko'olau campus, 10 a.m. at the Vine in Kaka'ako, or online through the websites. And remember, when you visit the website, check out the news page to keep up with everything that's happening at First Pres, including our Christmas services. You can also sign up for emails, listen to or watch sermons, and lots more. And as always, if there's anything First Pres can do for you, please reach out through the website or just call 808-532-1111. For Senior Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Pres, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2022 and produced by the media ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.